one of the things it was curious is like your career and uh, your profile is one of the diverse profiles i've seen yeah. uh, so you started as an uh, political consultant then you moved into uh, marketing then yeah then we you growth at cloud task could you please give me a glimpse of your career what you've been in yeah sure so yeah as you said i kind of started in politics um i studied politics at nottingham um from that i and then funnily enough i went into african politics which was kind of a great crazy experience and then i got back to the uk and i was working in kind of lobbying um and it just what it wasn't something that interested me so much um and then i ended up basically moving into more like tech software companies um or in like a content marketing role um and then really enjoyed that and decided you know i was going to do that rather than politics as a career um and then you know i worked kind of in the content marketing space for you know for four years or so um and then i joined cloud task um and and i used to have different clients so i would content write for um various clients at the start cloud task was just a client and cloud task at five people um you know today cloud task is like nearly 250 people um and then i basically kind of obviously your marketing kind of create the marketing department but website like you're doing built um ebooks um, seo doing all that kind of stuff um and then kind of what happened is that we didn't really have a proper sales team like rc as we grew the ceo it's amazing he's a brilliant sales person but he was um kind of doing all the sales himself and what we do at cloud task is effectively outsource sales services so i'd learn a ton about sales myself as you know from marketing and sales is so aligned that i'd i'd always work very closely with sales i was like hey what why don't i give this a go um and then basically i have been i'm really of growth technically but I've basically been working in sales like for the last 2 years um so relatively new to sales i have more experience in marketing but um you know did very very well and then basically now run the, the marketing and sales department and we we've grown we're basically doubling growth every year so we're doubling our revenue every year um and that's a little bit about me and people actually finally now know me for sales content even though I'm from marketing because everything I write on LinkedIn is related to sales yeah. and some people actually message me like you one guy messaged me the other day because he did a similar he changed from marketing to sales mm-hmm. and he wanted some advice about how I did the transition but um i actually i think it's helped me a lot the fact that i have that marketing background mm-hmm. as there's a lot of things if you understand marketing it can actually help you with sales a lot as well being a content marketer myself uh, one of the things i find it hard is when people say align your marketing efforts with the sales team yeah okay uh, so how does a exactly well aligned process look like that is one the second thing is uh, what are the things marketing can do to align with sales and sales can do the same actually yeah yeah so obviously because i've worked in both i i know this question very well um so the, the the problem is always the same normally with marketing and sales so marketing says you know sales you're not closing our leads you're not doing enough and then sales <laughs> says to marketing your leads are rubbish better leads you know um when actually both are kind of right so I think having meetings every day or you know at least two or three times a week between marketing and sales making sure you're very aligned one of the things I notice that sales teams often don't do is they don't use the content that marketing has enough so what we did at cloud task we created a content library and we were like there's like a a um a spreadsheet for case studies 
uh, sorry, a tab because it's all in one centralized document. So one for case studies, one for blogs, which are more awareness, one for different services, different products, different pains to the buyers. So making sure, as a marketer, making sure your sales team really understands the content. Um, and then also, you know, speak to your sales team and interview them. So say like, what, like every week, what are the main objections you're hearing from buyers? Um, what are the main pain points of buyers? Because the sales team are actually the ones who understand the buyers the most because they're on front line. So they really understand. I think sometimes marketing works by itself and is like, oh, we've got these great ideas, but they don't actually understand what the buyers want. And that's where sales come in. So I think if you have regular meetings, sales can tell marketing what content to write and then marketing is actually writing content that is relevant to the buyers. Uh, the next one is, uh, as a VP of growth, how different it is from VP of sales or VP of marketing. Uh, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for increasing the revenue. Uh, yeah. So how exactly is VP of growth different from director of marketing or sales? Yeah, so we, we gave, my, my main role now is, is sales in the sense that I still close sales myself. Like I love selling, so I love giving demos. I do more like enterprise sales. But the term VP of growth basically came from the fact that I am in charge of sales and marketing. Um, so like the, the director of marketing reports to me, our director of sales, and I'm just ensuring that we grow all the time. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to have that because I still like working with marketing. Um, so when I went from marketing to, to sales, I basically um, put someone else in charge, Tom, who I'd been working for, um, you know, for a year and a half. He's, he's doing a great job. Uh, I think, uh, you know, VP of growth is quite a new position. But I think most VPs of growth, they have a good understanding of, you know, sales and marketing. And I think, you know, that a similar position, kind of one step up is chief revenue officer. Yeah. And, you know, revenue can be coming in from marketing. It can be coming in from sales, especially if you're working in like a, a software or tech product. Sometimes you don't need any sales to actually make. So you just need marketing to get revenue because you can have SEO, you can have like conversion on your website and then they go to your pricing page and they don't even need to interact with a salesperson. So that's why I know that like marketing is, is becoming more and more revenue focused and it's, it's often resulting directly in sales. You don't even need a salesperson to get involved. So in case of enterprise sales, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, the, uh, then the intervention of sales becomes quite relevant, right? Quite of course, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, that, and that's where, you know, account, it's funny because everyone talks about account-based marketing yeah. now, um, but I call it account-based sales because, okay, account-based marketing if you're targeting people, you know, with content, so say you're running an advertising campaign, you want to target the whole buying chain. But similarly, once you've actually done a demo with someone, if you were selling at an enterprise level, you're probably going to need to involve like, you know, between five and 20 stakeholders to make sure the, the deal goes through. So I think doing enterprise sales, that, that becomes very important. And it, we, we call it, you know, one up, one down. So say you're speaking to the VP, get the um, director involved, get C-level involved, and just make sure you've got as many stakeholders um, involved as possible, as that's just gonna ensure success. Because the thing is with enterprises is that the sales cycle is gonna take longer, and you can reduce those sales cycles by talking to different people. Uh, the next one would be one of the, uh, selling to C-suite an enterprise, that's all it is about, right? Yeah. Uh, being a VP yourself, you would receive hundreds of pitches a day. What do you think, yeah. uh, two things, uh, 
One is, what do you think is the most common mistake made by sales rep when pitching to C-suite? Second, yeah. what does C-suite actually want when they agree for a demo? Yeah. Like, agree for a meeting with the sales rep. What do they actually expect in that meeting? Yeah, so I think the first bit, what, what is the most, what's the most common mistake salespeople make? It's just that it's all about their product, their service, and it's not about the person they're selling to. So I think a good thing to do is, you know, research your research the company you're selling to, research the person you're selling to, and there's no excuse now on LinkedIn. You know, most people are on LinkedIn, as you know, like you did your research before this call. You saw that I was in Nottingham, all that stuff. People like that because it's about them. It's not about you know the product or service. So do that, and then research the company and say, you know, hey. I noticed you just received a round of funding, congratulations, or notice you just moved the office. So that personalization helps a lot. Um, and then after that, getting to, again, the, a common pain, like under, say you sell to chief revenue officers or chief marketing officers, understand their common pains, and then talk about those. Um, so say, you know, I said, my goal is to double growth of cloud task every year, which we've done, but if you went on the website, so if you went on my LinkedIn, you could see that and you could say, hey, I noticed your goal is to double growth. Like we're in December, you're going to achieve that goal next year. And then it, a conversation starts with that. So I think the key is not to pitch your product or service, but just to ask questions that are very relevant to what the, the C-level person does. Brilliant. The next one would, uh, at CloudTask, uh, you provide services for companies like Drift, and like a lot more other companies like direct reach and all those companies and your services include uh, b2b sales for marketing leaders customers leaders and customer success people as well yeah uh, one thing i want to ask is when you see companies uh, struggling to beat their forecasts or struggling with their sales growth uh, what is the most common thing you would say like hey, maybe you should look at that these are the metrics you should look at that yeah, I think a lot of it, so this is a lot of what CloudTask do. Um, we'll effectively, as you said, we'll either provide salespeople, customer success people, or customer support people. And what we find is when people come to CloudTask, it's often because it hasn't worked in-house. Mm -hmm. So they haven't had success hiring in-house, whether that's sales or customer success. And normally the biggest problem is, is training, managing, and enabling. Um, and what we find is that often people will hire sales reps and they'll just be like, you know, give them the product or service book and be like, go sell this. When actually it, it requires a lot of training and management to make a sales rep successful, um, especially, you know, like a business development rep, junior person setting up meetings. You can hire someone quite junior, but if you give them the right training um, and management, you can enable them for success. So that's actually what we say when you hire salespeople, don't necessarily look for someone with experience. You can hire someone quite green, but what you need to do is really train them and enable them. And that's, you know, something that we do at CloudTask. Brilliant. So when you say, uh, this is quite an uh, interesting concept because uh, one of the things people always feel as sales or marketing team, uh, I would say a lot of people are a bit hesitant to outsource the core, like the gener revenue generating team of your yeah. company. So when you say, how does it, how is it possible for cloud task? Okay, I take a person, hire a person, then pay them, then send them out. Yeah. Of but whereas in cloud task, I hire then a person immediately jumps on the call, like gets a ball rolling. How does it work? Like what makes it special? Anna? 
Yeah, it's funny because the same problem our clients have is the same problem we have as a company, which is the training and management. So obviously, the, the good, how, for example, if I'm doing a sales call about cloud task, I won't talk about costs or anything like that. I'll say, I'm going to save you a lot of time and a lot of headaches because instead of you having to hire, train, manage new salespeople, we'll do all of that. So that's what makes us special is we have a very in-depth training process where, for example, we include a sales playbook. So we have a big training playbook that's going into objection handling, okay. you know, um, value proposition, qualifying questions, probing questions to get to the needs of the buyer, some of the stuff I talked about before. Um, so that's kind of how we get through that. And yeah, it's not the first month of what we do is, is mainly doing that. And then it's in the second and third month that, you know, we're starting to actually get results. Um, but for any salesperson there's going to be a ramp up so there's um, a company called the bridge group in boston and they do these amazing reports and they did one about um sales development rep metrics and they basically say it takes the average sales sales rep four months to fully ramp up and be trained oh brilliant so uh the next would be uh as you mentioned like a couple of people are reaching out to you on linkedin and uh, the sales process has evolved a bit and there's a lot of talk about social selling leveraging social media to sell um, yeah what is your take on it yeah no i mean linkedin has been fantastic for me obviously like i wouldn't be doing this interview now if it wasn't for for linkedin um so I, the tips i have for linkedin one is you know just start posting um and when you post don't post about content that's not say you as you said say your, your goal is to network with um chief marketing officers or bds of growth post about stuff that's relevant to them. So don't say, you know, hey, Hippo Video, we're amazing. We're our services, post about Hippo Video. I would talk about, you know, the, some statistics related to video marketing and say, you know, um, if you use video in your marketing, it will increase your, your sales by 30% versus a, um, an email that doesn't. And then just talk about stuff, even not stuff about video, like stuff related to marketing, stuff, sales. So a lot of why, what I talk about, it's not about, you know, cloud task and um, outsource sales. It's just about like sales tips that like any salespeople that are following me can understand. So that's one is just posting. And I think practice makes perfect because a lot of my friends and you know, people on LinkedIn say, hey, you're, you're getting all these followers and, and views. How are you doing it? And it, it was practice, you know, it wasn't overnight. I've, I've been posting on LinkedIn for like a couple of years and I've kind of worked out the formula. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you post for one week and you, you're not getting any traction, don't be disheartened. You need to continually do it and you'll get better. Um, and then once you do that, then you can start engaging people in conversations, people that are liking your posts. Um, and then also another thing is, the good, great thing about LinkedIn is that you can add anyone. So if you like do a search for you know say you sell to chief marketing officers just search for chief marketing officers in san francisco and, and start adding them you can send a personalized note saying as you said like you went to university of nottingham i'd love to connect i went to university of manchester so i think the key on on linkedin is to again same as like i said with sales ask personalized questions um, and then from that you can start a conversation and once you're in that point then you may have an opportunity to to pitch your service and by that you've built some more rapport with uh, with the buyer Brilliant. uh the next question would be about uh, prospecting uh, when i say prospecting uh, most of the time it's a nightmare for even the sales uh, season sales reps 
Uh, what do you think is the best way to go about prospecting? Uh, what do you think can be avoided? What is the effective way to go about it? Yeah, sure. So I'm one of those salespeople that actually thinks that the prospecting is the hardest thing now. So actually opening a deal is, is, is harder than closing it. Um, so, you know, I close deals at CloudTask, but I actually think half of the time, the, the, the colleagues that I work with who set me up meetings, they've done most of the work and it's actually quite easy for me to, to close the deals. That's part of the reason that um, I, I went into sales. And I think and that's part of the reason CloudTask grew because effectively what we do is prospecting for clients mm-hmm. and it's something everyone struggles with internally. And in terms of tips, again, personalization is great. So if you can personalize your outreach um, and ask questions as well, ask questions to, to bring up a conversation. So as I said, whether you're cold calling, emailing, social selling, 90% of reps are just saying, hey, this is my product. Um, do you want to buy it now? And you know, the buyers will just hang up straight away. Which if you ask a, a personalized question, hey, I noticed you just received uh, a round of funding and you're moving to this new office. Uh, you know, what's your plan for hiring in that new office? Uh, that's, that's highly personalized and, and people are going to like that. So I think a combination of questions and making it about the buyer and them. Okay. Uh, next would be uh, to fellow VPs and market uh, or directors. When you see a company struggling with sales, apart from training, what are the things you believe they should look at immediately or the most common problems in SaaS industry? Yeah, I, I, I would look at, you know, why, why, so say they're struggling with sales. So that may be they're a big company, maybe their sales decreased this year, so they're not as big as last year, or they've just, it's a small company and they've just hired new salespeople and, you know, they're not able to get results. And I think it, it's always, it's like people processes technology. So you may have technology that you you got, but you're not using it properly. Your sales team, again, it's trained, they're not trained how to use it. So say, you know, you may have this problem, a, a client signs up for Hippo video, but they're never using it. So then it's useless. So it's important that they're, they're trained to use the technology. Um, processes as well are very important. Like we see it at CloudTars where, often like we set up meetings for companies and then the companies don't even show up for meetings. So even though our job often is only to set up meetings, if those meetings don't turn into revenue ever, it's, there's no point happening. And and there could be a couple of things. One is a meeting could not be qualified. So we're not qualifying properly. Or as I said, the handoff process isn't good. They're they're not actually turning up to the meetings. So I think qualification is very important. Knowing your target audience. This is going to the start. If you're targeting the wrong people, you're never going to sell because when you get in front of them, if they're not qualified for your service, it's a disaster. So I think basically taking a look at the whole sales process and identifying what's going wrong and where is it going wrong. And once you start with that, then you can start to rectify the, the situation. Fair enough. So would it be fair to say between people, process and technologies, try and narrow down where the problem arises, then try yeah, and narrow down. Exactly, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the next one, when you said, uh, when you're not selling it to the right people, okay, this is a part I want you to expand on because especially SaaS companies, there are a lot of early stage companies and most of the companies are trying to find the product market fit. So most of, in a lot of cases, uh, it happens this way. I'm trying to, okay, I'm assuming this particular group of audience will buy my product. And yeah. sometimes it is right and sometimes it 
they need to pivot or change something about it. How can someone uh, figure out, okay, there is a problem with the product market fit or there is a problem with my selling or the process or the people? Like, uh, am I clear on what I'm asking? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, well, I think in terms of finding your, your, right, your right product fit, if you've already got some customers that are successful, that's always a good indication because it's like, hey, we've already done this successfully for someone else, so we can probably do it. And that's always advice I give to marketers. If you have a success story, use that success story, create a case study, and then target people with a similar profile. That's always a, a good idea. Um, and then in terms of, you know, how, how do you find that product fit? A lot of it's testing. A lot of it as well comes, comes down to marketing and sales alignment. Because if sales are having various conversations and they say, you know, I spoke to 10 of these people and they said they're not the right person, then pro probably they're not. Because marketing may say, no, no, this is definitely the right person. But sales are the, sales are the people that understands the buyer persona much more than the marketing because they're on the front line. But you also need that, that sales trainer to go in and listen to the calls to, to, to verify that. Because maybe, as you said, the salesperson is saying they're not the right fit, but he's doing something wrong. That's where the training comes into play and things like, um, you know, like call recording is very important. Recording all of your sales calls and then a manager going in and listening and saying, you know, hey, you, you didn't do this right. Um, you need to ask more questions, etc. Fair enough. When it comes to enterprise sales, what do you think is the key to cracking the enterprise sales? Yeah, as I said, account-based sales is important, making sure you've got all the right people involved. And you may have a long conversation, and I've, I've learned the hard way from this as well. You may have 10 conversations with someone mm -hmm. and they're not the right person to speak to. Mm -hmm. so, you know, just, just ask questions such as, you know, do you need... Um, will it just be you involved in this decision-making process? Um, are you the budget holder, etc.? Um, just to make sure you're, you know, you're speaking to the to the right person, um, and then try to get as as many people involved as possible. I think be patient as well, and be be patient, but also be persistent. So, say you send someone three emails and they don't reply, that doesn't mean they're not interested. Especially enterprise people, they're extremely busy. So like, you know, call them, send them a, a LinkedIn social message, engage with their content as well. So like CloudTask, for example, to get a meeting, we have a 30 touch point sequence. across 30 touch points? Yeah. Calling, email, LinkedIn. Because um, just for someone to answer the phone, sometimes you have to call them 15 times because they're so busy, right? And then there's maybe like seven emails, seven LinkedIn messages. And it's the same once you actually have a demo with someone, you want to what I say is um, every two days basically have a touch point so you know straight after the demo send them a proposal via email you know call them a couple of days later to, to ask some things about the proposal and then you know share some content with them via email um, send them some questions via LinkedIn just continuously build rapport with them and build relationships with the people you're buying with um, and I think that's the best way to, to do enterprise sales Brilliant. Uh, just last couple of questions. One is, uh, what is the emerging trend you see evolving in 2020? In yeah, so um, no, it's, it's a good question. 2020 in terms of you know, how different it's, it's going to be from this year. So I think account-based marketing, as I said, is, is already a big thing, but I think that's going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, same with LinkedIn. Um, one of the things I 
can see happening as well is, is LinkedIn is, is such a big, yeah, I mean, LinkedIn in the last couple of years has been so successful for so many people. As I said, this is why part of the reason we're, we're having this interview. And I think the problem with LinkedIn, it's closed off, like it's API, it doesn't integrate with a lot of stuff. So I think hopefully we're going to see some kind of tracking with LinkedIn where it's easier to track engagement. Um, and then, yeah, certainly like what you guys do video, I think is just going to keep growing. Um, this year we're seeing more and more video. I, I've noticed as well that video is still very big in the US, um, but like in the UK, it's not used as much. So I think we'll see video becoming more and more popular, you know, outside of the US and places like Europe, India, um, kind of around the world. Uh, so I think that that will be a, a key part as well. And then just everything becoming more and more personalized, as I said, because salespeople are understanding now they can't just spam email at everyone because it doesn't get results. But personalization really makes everything key. And that's why, you know, things like Hippo Video, the, the personalized outreach helps a lot. Okay. What is one key takeaway or one actionable input you can give to our readers for salespeople? Yeah, sure. Um, one actionable input. Yeah, I think the, the main thing I've been saying throughout this interview is, you know, ask relevant questions that, you know, bring out challenges that your buyers are facing. Because to me, all sales starts with questions because you should never be pitching your product until you understand your buyer. So ask questions that are going to give you information that will help customize, you know, your solution. That's, that's, the, best, that's the best advice I'd give. Awesome. Last two questions. What are the tools you think are must have for sales professionals? Or what are the tools you use in your day-to-day -day work that might be famous or most people don't know about it, but you think is quite brilliant and most people should use it? Yeah, I like, um, I like LinkedIn Sales Navigator because um, mm -hmm. you can do searches there for even within a company. Um, so, you know, that's Sarah was going to look at Vonage or some enterprise company and I wanted to see the whole sales department I can do that I can do the filters and that helps you with account-based marketing um, that I was talking about so I think LinkedIn is very good from a from a research perspective and from a training and coaching perspective like call recording software is hugely important so there's a company called Refract in the UK uh, that I recommend so they they will basically record your calls and analyze the calls and then um, so uh, so, uh, refract r-e-f-r-a-c-t okay um so i'm going to mention them first because they're in the uk and i know yep. um, they're the head of sales uh, so i wanted to give him a shout out but then there's also a more established one very similar called gong um yeah gong who you would have seen on they're very active on linkedin um so i think investing in a technology like that helps a lot and it, it, if, if you don't have you know there's smaller businesses who don't have you know, the, the resources, invest in the technology. But yeah, just start recording calls. They're simple, like recording demos on Zoom and stuff like that. Half of companies aren't even recording calls. And if they're recording calls, they're not listening to them. So that's very important as well. Uh, what are the books you would recommend? Books, funnily enough, I'm not a big uh, sales person. For, for, so I, I like reading, but not... Um, not kind of so much business books and, and sales books. I, I tend to, I tend to read uh, a lot of like history books. As, as I said, you know, I studied, uh, I studied politics. Well, I yeah. um, but having said that, there's, um, there's a guy called Daniel Disney, who you may have heard of, who's very active on LinkedIn in the social selling world. He just sent me a, a book called The Million Dollar 
sorry, million pound, because he's in the UK, LinkedIn message. Um, and that, uh, yeah, is basically how he opened up or closed the deal from over a million pounds just from a LinkedIn message. So it just shows, you know, the power of LinkedIn. That's about it from our end. Uh, thank you very much for the interview. Yeah.